Hello everyone, my name is Monica Gleberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Michael Lombardi from a new film called The Retaliators. He plays John Bishop, which is a pastor who uncovers a dark and twisted underworld as he searches for answers surrounding his daughter's brutal murder. In addition to being in the film, Michael Lombardi is also one of the producers. So here's Michael to talk about the film, the music, and how he was able to, well, deal with all of that blood. I'm so excited to talk with you. So this film I found relatable in certain ways. Obviously, yes, it's a you know crazy film. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in there. But I want to start off before we like really get into it. I want to start off about your character and how you ended up playing John Bishop. Like, how did it come to you? Yeah. Okay. So basically the, the gear brothers, the writers of the story, I, many years ago, early 2000s to mid 2000s, I had a record deal. I had a little band, I had a record deal. My music manager, I was out in California at the time. I'm an East coast guy, but I go out there often. And I was there. He said to me, Hey man, you know, I want you to go write with these two brothers. They're really talented guys. And they, they had a, a band, a big band too, and a record deal. So I used to drive about two hours South. They live in Southern California and drive down and I'd start, I started writing with them and our tastes, were just so aligned, like we collaborated so well, and uh, we really enjoyed the process with one another. But cut to several years go by, I don't talk to them, I'm on the East Coast, they're on the West Coast, and I had to do a big charity event, it's about four years ago, maybe five years ago, and I called Darren, and I said, hey Darren, you know that song we wrote, uh, When Heaven and Hell Collide, I have to drop it a half step for this event, my band's not here, what do you think, what have you been up to, blah, 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 and he goes, oh, my brother and I have been writing screenplays. And I said, send them to me because I knew how creative these guys were and how much I loved the, what they did. So he sends them all to me. I read The Retaliators and I fell in love with it. I'm like, I have to make this movie. I saw all these elements that we'll probably talk about, but in the script that I started talking to him about. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we wrote that. That's for that. Yeah, you got that. And then I was on a plane four or five days later. So it brought the script to Alan Kovac, who's the CEO and founder of Better Noise Music, which is a huge record label. He said, Michael, let's do this. You want to make the movie? I got you. And let's put music in it. Let's give it that great wink to the 80s and the 90s that it deserves. And that's how it happened. Now, those guys always had me in mind for John Bishop. But, but it was still hard to finally get there to be the guy who is John Bishop at the end to actually be cast. Wow, that's so crazy. That's such a crazy story to kind of end up like kind of full circle back with them again. It's crazy. And there's a lot of crazy angles to this. And, you know, again, we, we only have so much time. I could talk all day about it, but this story is inspired by something tragic that happened to their sister. I don't know if you know that. And it touches upon that concept. You know, it, what would you do if you had a minute alone? You know, it's revenge, it's retaliation. And they wrote this script sort of as therapy in a creative way. The movie's not about what happened to the sister. She's fine now, but, but it was a very uh, brutal attack that happened to her when she was younger and they never found the guy. So they went through years of court and trying to heal and they wrote this concept. Now get this, talk about serendipitous. I was on a television show called Rescue Me. 
Okay. It's about New York City firefighters post 9-11. Of course. I okay. saw you. I loved you on that show. Thank you so much. So I played the probie rookie firefighter, mm -hmm. right? Turns out Darren and his brother never knew this about their sister, Jody. And I never knew this, of course, until uh, recently when we're done filming. Her favorite television show was Rescue Me. She was in firefighter training school when this happened to her at 18 years old. She was a probie during the time that Rescue Me was on and I was a probie and I was her favorite character. It helped her heal and laugh and have fun. She talks about it. Like she'll go, you should interview her. It's crazy. So she, it, she talked, it helped her heal. She saw that in that show, what I love, what Dennis Leary did was you showed these guys, they're heroes at the end of the day for what they're due, but they're flawed. And it made her feel okay to have baggage and stuff. She, and then now get this, cut to today, to hero's story. She is now, she just became one of the only female firefighter captains in America. So yeah, she, she, she made it. And to be the lead in the movie that is inspired by her is just so crazy and serendipitous. It's mind blowing. Yeah, I did read that it was, you know, based or inspired off a true story. I do a lot of research before these interviews. So yeah. I did, I re read that, but I didn't hear that whole story. But I will say on a side note for Rescue Me, you were one of my favorite characters. Aww, and Dennis Leary did a great job. That was a, such a great, I, and I feel like it's very um, similar to the tone of this film in that it's so real. Like it feels like you're kind of in it. It's almost like a documentary. It just feels like you're like breathing it. So it's a very similar tone between the two, which is kind of ironic, but um, wow, thank I, I, you so it, it, you're so, oh my God, you were so good to rescue me. I, I would go on a whole tangent with you about that, but <laughs> I, I was so excited to see you in this one. So for your, yeah. that's really crazy though, that, that story to kind of circle Ooh. into playing. I mean, that's nuts. For when, so when you finally like sit down, yes, all right, I'm playing this guy. He goes on quite an arc <laughs> from the start to the end. But when you read it, how do you prep as an actor for two things? One, to play a pastor, right? And you're playing this good guy. You know, you're not supposed. I love one of the lines he says where um, you're giving your speech at the church and your, your daughter's like, please, please don't bring me up. Please don't bring me up. Which is, so I feel like such a typical thing a daughter would say, like, please don't yeah, yeah, bring yeah. me in front of the church. And then you start talking about it and you're saying, listen, this guy did this thing with the tree and he tried to steal my tree. And like, you know, I'm doing a horrible paraphrasing, but your point was, how did I respond? And you said with words and you told him Merry Christmas, which I, I will circle back to, of course, but you said Merry <laughs> Christmas to him. And it was just show like, you know, not, you don't always have to hit violence with violence type of thing. And then this, something happens with your daughter. So before we get to that part, as an actor, how do you prepare to play a pastor, bishop, priest, father, whatever you want to call it, a dad, and then play the beginning role portion of where you don't believe in retribution or making your own justice? Good. So we're going to talk about just this part of my preparation mm -hmm. first. Okay. 
So to begin with, to put it like the most simplest way, and thank you for your thoughtful question. You know, I went to some modern day sermons. I studied some modern day pastors. They do have bands now. It's sort of crazy, you know, like the way they dress, they're human. And it's, it's a nice way to spread the word, I think, and, 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 and give a sermon. So I, I did go and I, I went to some. I think I went to two in Philadelphia, uh, one in New Jersey, and I just sort of snuck in and watched it. And, you know, one thing that was a really good shoe-in for me there was uh, the writers had in the description about John Bishop, my character, his name is John Bishop. He's a rock star in his community and in this environment, like when he gets on stage and gives the sermon. So I was just kind of like, ah, he's open to the people. He's there to help. When I gave the sermon, I just tried to open. I played with the extras like you wouldn't believe. I think that part of the character comes a little easier to me because I think, you know, with my character on Rescue Me Too, I, I get this often. And I think as an actor, we have to be self-aware self of, 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 of who we are and who we can play and who we, I get that like, you know, there's like something in my eyes, people say sweet or this and that. So I felt like, okay, I've got this. And that's why the writers wanted me for, the part. So I felt pretty good about all that. And I think I've, you know, I've done a lot since Rescue Me. So I think I've become much more open and can sort of command the attention if I need to on stage, like John Bishop does when he's giving a sermon. Um, you know, you learn a lot. I've been acting a long time now. I think I was, when I started out, I was in a much different place. But in terms of this, giving the sermon, I just went for it and there were whatever there were out a hundred extras, I think. And I just started having fun and joking and improving and playing with them all and giving the sermon and just being very open. And like, I improvised that line about, and it's funny, I bring it up because people have said they liked it. Uh, hey, don't be surprised if I show up to next week's sermon with blue hair, because it's such like a dad joke, because it, it's kind of ridiculous that this sick band, they're from Ashes to New, by the way, the band, in the, um, they're a real band in the so it was just like fun. I just had fun with it. You know, I really did. And it's so funny you should say that because I think I've seen you in a bunch of stuff. I do think maybe in the beginning they were like, oh, he has a kind eye. You have a very kind face, kind demeanor. So that's probably why you started getting those type of roles. But it's vastly different if you've seen a lot of your work recently. So you've cut like, I definitely think you've broken out of that box for sure. This movie in particular really takes you out of that box. So, Thank you um, so much. Yeah, that's not easy. To you're do. so good. Thank but you. okay, so for pre preparing for that, mm -hmm. now you have a daughter, right? In the in the movie, Katie Kelly plays Sarah, your daughter, and mm -hmm. she you get the phone call that a parent never wants to hear, right? Something's going on, something's wrong, someone's following her. There's an emergency. Which, by the way, Katie taught me. Uh, right away, I was like, okay, so next time I'm at a gas station, if I hear something weird, don't look, just go, call police. <laughs> I was like, don't, don't look, don't do anything. I don't hear anything. Just oh call police when I leave. Um, I like, I learned that pretty quickly. I was like, oh Jesus, like that. I never want that to happen to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this horrible thing happens. You get this phone call. Your character shows up. You know, something horrible happens to her. So now it puts you on a completely different path. That moment changes your character in a split second. So now preparation for that. How do you go from what you just prepared for and what you show on the screen and this really nice, likable guy, cute dad jokes, right? Has other kids, wife, all this stuff. That moment happens and your entire life, character, arc, everything changes in that second. So what do you do as an actor to do that, to shift? 
great. I'll give you one. You want the exclusive? I've never, uh, I don't sure. think. Sure. I'm a nerd for this kind of stuff. So I'll, I'll ask you all the dirty questions. Okay, cool. So basically what I did. So, so this character, he's a, he's actually a single dad. Like he's got his teenage daughter he's left with and his youngest daughter. Right. And he's trying to do his best as a single dad of two daughters. Right. So I thought, you know, how do we get where do we find this? The, the story is about, I think, the provocative question and the foundation of this whole film is what would you do if you had a minute alone with the person who hurt your loved one, right? So how does he get to want that minute so badly when he's a man of the cloth and he's such a nice guy and he's preaching the Lord's word and he's an open, it's about love and, you know, some of the same guidelines I live, I'm not religious like that but I, that's how I live my life being an open and loving person and, and loving people how do you get to such anger or wanting to do that especially if we know how because something someone hurts someone so I get that primal feeling right that primal instinct it's the low it's the oldest type of storytelling it's like Shakespeare writing about love right it's I I understand that but the anger that he gets, right? And what he has to do to find this new person that was buried deep within. So I thought about some backstory to this character. And I said, how can we build this guy? And I said, you know, maybe he wasn't always a good guy. Maybe he became a man of the cloth because he met his wife because he was going down the wrong track, the wrong road, and his wife's dad was a pastor or religious, and she helped him see the light and made him on the, you know, be a good person. And, 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 and then he loved it so much that he was then able to preach it. But when she died, maybe it was cancer, maybe it was sudden, right? This is, and, and I made choices. I'm just throwing out a bunch of ideas that I was doing when I, to, to start building on. And then you use this imaginary circumstance, of course, right, as an actor, and you build from that. You, but maybe she died. And then his oldest daughter resembles his wife. So like, that's his treasure. Like he, his world was crushed. Now, so that's what causes him. Like every time I looked at Katie in the role, I would think of my wife that I all built this in my, you know. That's my a great backstory to build though because that would logically make sense. Because then he has it in here. It's not that he's, he's, he's choosing to be passive at the, at the Christmas tree lot and at the beginning. He's not a wimp. He's choosing that. And I think what's interesting about me is always playing the probie and stuff and the firefighter. I got that rap, but I grew up in a pretty rough area. It's amazing that I turned out to be like nice or whatever, but I had my share of fights in real life when I was a kid and I'm a pretty physical guy. So, so it's interesting because I knew that I could tap into that as an actor, given the circumstances and as a person, but how do you, how do you make this character believable? So built that backstory, you know, then you let it all go. But I also thought maybe maybe like he was in a bar fight when he was a youngster and he punched a guy and the guy hit his head and died or some or almost did and then he had to go through this healing and so there's some kind of anger somewhere built in him that he's had to now bury and I thought that his wife was the catalyst behind that the reason why and then his daughter resembles his wife so when she died that's all he had and now this happens to her and he's you know 
Yeah. And it's like double trauma because you're he dealt with that and kind of figured out a way to get past it by being a priest or pastor, you know, getting in, involved. And then yeah. you get hit again. It's like, how many times can you get hit before you kind of revert back to maybe something you were doing before? I think that's a perfect I, I think that makes complete sense for a backstory to build yeah. up to explain his reasoning for it. And even if there's no backstory, there's there's reason for it. I mean, when you watch it, you know, even with no, like knowing nothing. I don't I always say like when I watch these kind of movies or you'll watch Dateline, right? Or just anything. And you yeah. always go, "Well, I wouldn't do that." Well, I don't know. Like, would I do that? And you just you really just don't know until you're put in that position. And yeah. so your backstory to me 100% makes sense as an actor, and that's how you got from the like the beginning into that moment where the tone just totally changes. But yeah. in terms of not even knowing that information, you were that good that you can just watch it and go, I get him. Like, I understand this horrible thing happened. I would want to do that too. Like, I understand where he's coming from. Oh, thank you. And again, like, you know, I remember being little and thinking, oh my God, if someone ever hurt my parents, you know, like, what would you do? And you can tap into that, I think. I was just trying to really have it layered, especially with her, because maybe she was the glue holding it together too, because she reminded me of my wife, whatever. But those, those were, there was just a lot of that because I always wanted to find truth in it. And, and then when I was playing, you, you let all that go, but you hope it's there because you built a lot of time thinking about it, you know? But yeah, and I think, you know, again, that primal instinct, but then the question is, if you were really in front of this human being, could you really hurt someone? Like, could you deal with the blood? Could you like poke someone's eye or whatever it is? That's another story, you know? Like, oh, and then I did one other thing you should know too. This was cool. I watched on YouTube, I went to this, this video I found somehow, it was a guy who looked like a mathematician, right? A slight guy. He's sitting there and he's at the, the, the trial. This is real life of uh, the, the killer of his either son or daughter, right? And he's standing there and the, the security, the judge's security is here in the court security on either side of him. And he has his moment to be able to address the killer. And he starts and he lets out this primal like, like scream and he he has a pencil i don't know i don't remember if he grabbed her or had it, and he jumps over and he starts stabbing at the guy and you're like whoa because the anger that he felt from looking at this guy and what was in his eyes and the way he was shaking and you're like they grabbed him and, and pulled him off quick enough but that gave me a hell of a shoe in too to what that can feel like you know in that instinct and then also if you have a kid or a niece or a nephew it helps a lot you have to be able to tap into that you know and it, it helps understand it but yeah there were many things over a long period of time that i used to just build and try to give me as much fuel as possible Really quickly, I want to ask, so obviously he goes on this whole arc, right? To yeah. And becomes kind of like a completely different person. So for you, what was that like? Or how do you view him differently, should I say, by the end of the film? Because ironically, we're back to him in the church. So how do you feel about that full kind of 360? And then, of course, the second thing I have to throw in in case I run out of time, you have an iconic line. It's almost like yippee-ki-yay with the Merry Christmas. People yeah. will know what I'm talking about towards the end, but I laughed out loud and I was like, oh my God, that line is gold, like to say it at that time. So yeah. just 
for the record. That was amazing. But thank you so much. And that was fully planned. We gave a nod to the one liner, the wink at the 80s. Loved it. Was die hard. Thank you so much. And then, yeah, at the end, he's very different than he was at the beginning. Although he's back in his sermon and preaching, he he stood up for himself. Right. And I think that's what's really nice. And I'm going to tell you that I'm a different person. You know, you use what you can as an actor you use what's around you so for this character he sort of had to be turned inside out right filming during covid producing this thing directing some i haven't slept much in like three years with this movie since i found it you know you shoot a 12-hour day you go home it takes an hour or so to get all that makeup off and then you have to put out fires and deal because there's always stuff going on right whether it's egos you fighting for your creative choices having to overcome a lot of bs and then you throw in covid so i became a different person actually too but i would use all that exhaustion and all that stuff that i had in the in the in the fear and the concerns and having to take control are we going to get shut down is this movie going to get made and put it into my performance so luckily that was great it really worked in this case I did that and then me as a creative and as an actor and I guess now a filmmaker I can't even believe that you know I made this movie and this happened when I took it on I had no idea for the adventure that I was in for and and how hard it would really be I was able to be a leader I think the work ethic thing comes for me pretty easy I always felt I've had that I think I can stay pretty positive and I can see the other side pretty well through thick and thin I've always had a lot of ups and downs I came from a tough place but so that wasn't a problem but maybe being a leader of a big 50 person crew and then also not being afraid to tell people you know, if it, how you feel and if you don't agree, rather than letting it sit there and change, because there's nothing more important than what comes on the screen, right? So being able to be open, have dialogue and tell people no or learn. I always learn. That's not a problem either. But and if they don't, if your if your views don't align, then maybe they're not right. Or maybe you have to look at it a different way. But being open and being a leader and the crew's everything. These guys were so loyal to me through COVID, through, you know, it was, it's very hard. So I think, um, you know, maybe that parallels my character a little bit too, in the sense of that he stood up for himself. I guess it's in a di little bit of a different way, but to, you know, you just, you, you learn a lot from leading the, the charge in something like this. And I think I had no idea how much that I was actually absorbing from Dennis Leary, who was the star, the co-creator, the producer of Rescue Me. And I was around him for a hundred episodes. So I think at the time I didn't realize it, but some of that seeped into me too. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. You're so, like I said, you're so good in it. it. It was just so funny, like I said, to not see you with blood because you kind of forget because, you know, right away when it just everything starts happening and the chaos and craziness. But you are fantastic in this movie. The acting is incredible. And I just think the whole movie, the full 360, there's so many things I would have picked out about old horror movies and things that you guys nodded off to. And yeah music and the fact that they were uh, some of the musicians were integrated in it i mean i just wanted to bring all those up and it was just so good and i will just wrap with if there's anything that you want to tell fans to go see it i want everyone to go see this movie because you're just so good in it and i just i just love it and i just loved everything that you did as an actor Thank you so much you're you're very thoughtful and smart and i think like you know, you picked up on things that were, I read from the script, you know, and I mean, all these elements that you're referring to and the little Easter eggs in there, and I can go over them all with you. We might have to talk after this um, because <laughs> there's so, there's so many, but, you know, I think like, 
I, I really love the fact that what drew me to this too, besides all those wonderful things in the music and, you know, having the musician, musicians be so good. So it's a film first and putting them in the film in a non-gratuitous. I didn't even <laughs> notice. I didn't even yeah, notice. That, it that, took was my goal. that was really, really important actually. So to me, have it be a movie first, but then we have this beautiful gold lining with great music. And, uh, and then the Stranger Things guys scored it. Talk about the wink at the 80s, Kyle Dixon, Michael Stein. That was amazing. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if people can go see this movie, have a fun time. It's a popcorn movie. It's a roller coaster ride, but maybe it can be a little thought provoking. And afterward, maybe you'd sit around and talk a little bit about the, you know, the morality, the religion, the justice. Would you do it? Would you not? And that's kind of fun too. You know, it's, it has a bit of a drama in it and, and some of the other genre elements that, you know, we sort of touched upon. Well, thank you so much. I'm just so happy that you had time for me today to talk with me because like I said, first of all, bringing up your other show for Rescue Me, you were fantastic in that. This is like next level. And again, obviously it's years later, but like it's next level. Your acting's fantastic. Every part of you is in this film. It's very apparent. And all the stuff that you guys put in it, it takes like like maybe once or twice to watch it. Cause like the second time I was like, oh, ooh. And then I was yeah, casting yeah. people that I didn't realize that were in it, but you did such cool. a good job. So just thank you so much. And I really appreciate you taking the time out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. And thank you for taking time out to speak with me. Thank you so much. Be good. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to Michael Lombardi talk about The Retaliators. The film is currently playing in theaters, so make sure you go check it out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're updated on all of our latest podcasts. And head over to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, so you're updated on all of our video content.